Join me for a year in the Bible. It's less than five minutes. Every day I'll give you insights and encouragement. That's a year in the Bible, available now wherever you get your podcasts. For me, I'm a pastor, and I deal with real people, people just like you every day, people that have a hurt or they have something going on and they're trying to figure out how do I deal with this and I always know Jesus has the answer he has that next step for you let's open up the word today and see what God will say specifically to you I am very privileged to welcome Teresa Jensen here with us today. Thank you for joining this show. She is a writer, a speaker, a publisher, a podcaster, and in addition to all of that, she's a missionary to the South Sudan with Across Ministries. She has a podcast called The Radical Abundance Podcast and has recently written a book, The Radical Abundance. So I want to start back at the beginning of your life, how you met the Lord, what he's done uh, to draw you close to him. Well, thank you for that. You know, it's been a journey, absolutely a journey. I was raised in the church pretty much, but not in the way that a, a lot of people probably assume. My parents were divorced, which mm. back in the day was not uh, so common and definitely not popular. And sometimes I think my mom took us to church just so she could get a break. Someone else was watching <laughs> us during Sunday good school. Idea. <laughs> Actually, anytime the church doors were open, at least us kids, we were pretty much there for Awana programs uh-huh. and and then through youth group, all of those things. And I remember even when I was little, I loved Jesus, Mm. but I really loved Sunday school, memorizing the verses, getting the stars on the chart, all that stuff, Mm -hmm. because I had a real need for people to approve of what I was doing and to affirm me. And that Mm. was something that was really deep seated somewhere. I had Mm. this need to to get that approval. When I was in third grade, I remember I was in an Awana program mm-hmm. and someone said, did you ask, have you asked Jesus into your heart? And I thought, oh my goodness, I love Jesus. And you mean he's not in my heart? No, I haven't asked him. So Aww. I had to remedy that right away. Cute. And I said that prayer, ask Jesus into my heart. And Aww. yet when I look back over my life and if someone were to say, when were you saved? Mm-hmm. It's not something I can really put my finger on. Yeah. Because I don't think it was in that third grade Awana program Mm -hmm. when I prayed that prayer, because I don't think that that's really a magic solution. I love Jesus before then. But also that love was fueled by something that was Mm. a need within myself. Mm. And so over my life, I have found those times of failure, really, is where God has stepped in and and Mm. grown me. And I know as an adult who's gone through a lot of not great things, you know, I've, and especially a person working in ministry in the church, I've, I've been divorced Mm -hmm. and that is not a great thing, but it was part of the journey of God drawing me closer to my, to him. Mm -hmm. And it was in those moments where I felt like I had failed and I was Mm. destroyed and I didn't meet the approval of all those people. I so desperately wanted to meet the approval that I learned to turn to seek God's approval. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And so it's been a process throughout my life. Still is. And (laughs) work out your salvation with fear and trembling, right? (laughs) Absolutely. And I love love that terminology work out Mm. because that's exactly what the faith journey is and what it's been in my life. No instant 
mm-hmm. anything. <laughs> right. No, there's not. You know, but when you look back, would you encourage the moms to still do the sticker charts, still take them to church? I think that's important, don't you? I do, yeah. because it's the foundation that I had to draw upon when I started understanding mm-hmm. the love and the grace and the mercy of God. I had that fabulous foundation of memorized scripture oh, to pull out. It's wonderful. You that know? Awana is so it is foundational, it really. It is. That's good. Yeah. And if you don't have that foundation, you have to develop it at some point in time. Mm-hmm. So I'm very grateful that my mom took me every time the church doors were That's open. Good. And it's not, <laughs> it wasn't easy for her either yeah. because she was, in some ways, she faced some judgment. Sure. And I'm grateful, though, that she did do it mm-hmm. and gave me a good foundation so that when I was ready, and as I've been ready at various points in my life, I had mm-hmm. something to draw on. Mm, I love that. How old were you when your parents divorced? I was, I don't know, about three, two or Mm. three, pretty little. I have very few memories of my dad. And it's not that they were divorced and then Mm co-parenting or anything like that. No, they were divorced. And my dad Mm. was pretty absent. I saw him once when I was 13. Mm. And then uh, when I was Mm. 18, I went looking for him because I wanted to confront him for all the injustices of being raised in a home that was right. impoverished. I mean, we were poor, really what, poor. What did he say? I mean, um, You know, I just found this sad, lonely oh. old man who had not a whole lot to show for his life. And um, we began, though, building from that point because Good. that anger that I had towards him God's grace, it just dissipated from that point when I saw he's also a broken person. Mm -hmm. And and that's really, broken people hurt and break other people. Sure. And uh, then when you can learn to forgive and extend Mm -hmm. the same grace Mm -hmm. that we've received, it makes all the difference. Oh, that's such a beautiful story. I love that. God really worked that out. And well, you, you, you had a piece in it, but I mean, he, that's amazing that he did that for you. That's cool. It is a beautiful story, but you know, Jennifer, it's also a really messy story. Mm-hmm. And those beautiful stories that end up beautiful in the midst of it all, Doesn't it's really it. messy and it's really ugly mm-hmm. actually, mm-hmm. but God can make really beautiful things come from all of that. Mm-hmm. I love that. Uh, what about a growing in the Lord? I mean, mm-hmm. did you, I mean, to get to that point, you, you must've been you, so you were 18. You must have been growing in the Lord. Mm-hmm. Were you, um, when, when were you called into missions? And how did you go from an 18 year old reconciling with my dad to, I mean, that's a lot to see at that age to see mm-hmm. that I see my dad for, you know, where he's at. And yeah. Forgive him. And yeah. Then, did you go from that to missions or was there space in between? It actually was kind of the other way around. Again, that foundation in the church every Mm -hmm. time the church doors were open also Mm -hmm. every summer summer camp youth camp and i I didn't know it at the time but there were were scholarships involved we didn't we were eating macaroni and cheese for dinner every night we did not have the money for church camp but there were people who gave above and beyond Mm -hmm. what they needed to to fund a scholarship program that i didn't even know was the reason that every year every year I went to church camp. Again, maybe my mom needed a break. I don't know. Whatever it was, I'm grateful. (laughs) Mom was grateful for the break, too. (laughs) But I remember when I was 16 years old, they always had a missionary come in on Thursday night at church camp. And they had this missionary who came from Saudi Arabia to be a missionary in Dearborn, Michigan, because there's a large Arab population Mm -hmm. there. And it's funny, a missionary from another country to the United States gave this talk, and at the end, a call for people to respond to God's call to be a missionary. 
and my heart was thudding out of my chest. There was no way I could stay in my seat. It was like this tunnel that led from that spot to that altar at the front. And I just, I I can still today see my feet walking down that aisle and saying, okay, Lord, I'm going to be a missionary. And I didn't know what that meant, really. And so when I went back to my cabin that night, I actually Mm. cried Mm. because I thought, no one will ever marry me. (laughs) (laughs) What if I sign a missionary? (laughs) Yeah. So I had this huge feeling that I'm sacrificing everything for the Lord. You know, that's a great feeling to have, even when it's not reality, Mm. because God's reality, we don't know what that's going to be. But my feeling was I sacrificed my life, the opportunity to be loved, the opportunity to be a a mother, all those things Mm. to serve the Lord and respond to that call to missions. That's where my brain was. Mm. So when my mom came to pick me up from camp, I told her, I'm going to be a missionary. By that time, I'm excited again. You know, I got over the crying (laughs) and I'm excited. I'm going to be a missionary. My mom didn't know what that meant either. And years later, she told me all she could imagine is me being boiled in a pot somewhere in the jungle. Oh, that's great. So she also had this real feeling of sacrifice, you know, but she didn't want to squelch that dream in me. And even today, my mom is my biggest cheerleader. I love that. And yeah, she is great. And so I went to college then Mm -hmm. after uh, high school. I went to a Bible college and studied third world relief and developmental missions. I knew that I was headed to an urban or I mean a rural type of setting, a mm-hmm. developmental setting. And uh, but the, my path still was not straight to the mission field, mm-hmm. even at that time, because while in college, was, again, you're not a mature person, but I had this real need to be needed, need mm. to be loved. That childhood need sure. didn't just go away. And I was supposed to go and serve a missionary family over a summer break. And that ended up not to be a possibility because of a war that broke out in uh, the place I was supposed Mm. to go to. Anyway, I met a man that summer that I did not go on a mission Mm. trip. And I ended up marrying that man. And it turned out to be a really difficult relationship and an an abusive relationship. And uh, so my path to the mission field took a huge Big detour, detour. Yeah. for a lot of years. Mm. And uh, yeah, so. Oh, what I a bummer. <laughs> I know. But <sighs> also, what an amazing, again, an ugly, messy, beautiful thing that God pulls together by the end of it. Because you look at where I am today, the amazing man I'm married to today, mm. and the ministry we have a privilege to be involved in today. And you don't even imagine the messiness that occurred before. In a lot of ways, I forget it. But then I do remember, and oftentimes in the Bible, it always directs us to remember where we came from, because that's where we remember the grace that God has has towards us. Not had, but has towards us. It's a continual walk of grace. And I need plenty of grace even yet today, for sure. Oh, so do I. You know how people always say, well, uh, you went through that so you can minister to others. Is that a catchphrase to you? Or in that messy detour, did did you find some foundational things that have helped you to minister to others on the mission field? Yes. And it's, again, messy and hard because, you know, honestly, Jennifer, it's not easy for me to be on the show and say, hey, I work in ministry. And by the way, I've been divorced. 
Uh, believe me, it's not easy to say. It's humbling. It is humbling. But that's I, a beautiful thing, I think. Mm-hmm, yeah. Well, when we applied to be missionaries, we had to tell our story mm-hmm, over and mm-hmm. over again and have people determine whether or not... It was okay. Yeah, exactly. That's humbling. Sure. And it's a life that we choose as missionaries to let other people have authority and say, yes, you can, or no, you can't, that's not easy for people to do. We like to determine what we're going to do, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not easy, but it's a choice that we make. And it is really amazingly freeing when people do affirm God's call on your life, Mm -hmm. ultimately. But then also when people maybe have a different viewpoint, it is part of that growth process because we can also see that People are at different places. They have different views and opinions because they're at different places in their life. And I'm not a finished product. They're not a finished product. So I can bless and release it and not feel held in any type of bondage by someone else's opinion of me or my choices, my mistakes, my sins, and God's ability to make it Right. And one of the devotionals I wrote one time that was published was the story of my divorce and remarriage. Now, those are both big things in the church. Sure. And as a person in ministry who did those things, it was a really hard story to write. It's one thing to say it behind closed doors to a mission board, Mm -hmm. but it's another thing to put it on paper Mm -hmm. and let people read it. And um, I think it's necessary for people to tell their hard stories because it's God who has redeemed it. It's nothing I have done. There is nothing I can do to change or fix what has happened Mm. in the past. Nothing. But God can. But God. (laughs) But God. (laughs) Right. I love your heart. You know, I think about that often as pastor's wife, I call it life in the fishbowl. But absolutely. It's that way for all leaders, isn't it? It it, is. And it's better to be transparent. It's better to say, hey, I messed up and this is what happened. But God, God can meet you where you messed up. Absolutely. And to me, the faithfulness of God in those mistakes is the beauty mm-hmm. of it. <laughs> I, as soon as you share it, it's almost like there's a freedom there. Yeah, there is. And it, I think, helps us too to go back to scripture with humility and not presume that we really mm-hmm. understand and know mm-hmm. everything that is there because grace is the theme from the very beginning to the very end. And we, you ha- I think we just really have to hold what we uh, do determine with a great amount of humility. And, yeah, and mm. just really yeah, look at other people, too, not presuming anything. Just be humble and ourselves. And offer that mm-hmm. grace to others as well. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. What, what are some other ways that you spend time with the Lord that you grow in the Lord. I mean, I'm sure you read your Bible all the time. Uh (laughs) Well, yeah, for sure. So yeah, I find there's a lot of different ways to grow. So one is being broken. Mm -hmm. You know, that's kind Mm -hmm. of what we've talked about Mm -hmm. so far. That's the hard one. But of course, that building those spiritual disciplines, that is really, really necessary because you're building your resilience for when the hard things happen. And you can't wait until... uh, you know, something happens before you get physically strong. So emotionally and spiritually, you have to build those spiritual and and muscles, which will also feed your emotional muscles. When you're healthy. Exactly. You have to do it when you're healthy. And 
there's a lot of different ways to do that. Gratitude, being grateful, taking a moment to be remember to be grateful for everything you have yeah. is really important. And it's easier for me to do because I live in a third world country. I was going to say, what has the third world <laughs> taught you about gratitude? You know, we got electricity six months ago. <laughs> Six months ago, we got electricity. It's a game changer when it comes to life. It's not just about light. It's about, I mean, refrigeration. Sure. That is a miracle. Being able to put your food in a refrigerator Mm. and not have to get food every day. And what do you do with leftovers and all that type of stuff? It's a game changer. So I come here to the U.S. and there's this so much abundance Mm -hmm. and electricity. You take it for granted that it's going to be there. You can put your toothbrush under the water. <laughs> Did you know that, Jennifer? Uh, not, you don't have to use a water bottle to, right? <laughs> to brush your teeth. You can just put your toothbrush right under the water. Oh, and, water is such a gift, isn't it? Yeah. Clean water. Mm. Mm. You know, when the police pull you over, it's probably because you've done something wrong. It's yeah. not because you have to be on guard, wonder what they're going to do, you know? So it's there's a lot of things to be grateful for in the everyday life. But there is also in the third world because there's an amazing um, network of people, you really learn how to not be so independent, but to rely on other people and be part of a community. That's a real blessing. For survival even. For survival. Yeah. So do you share things? I mean, what do you, what does community look like there that would be different from the U.S.? Well, that is a, when it comes to women Mm -hmm. in South Sudan, I know we're talking to women in our Mm -hmm. audience, right? I, for a long time, I did not share about my first marriage and the difficulties there and the divorce because there's a huge presumption about divorce is a big, big problem there. Mm-hmm. And understandably, but we, I, was in, I was in the midst of a group of women one time and they were talking about how marriage is in South Sudan. It's very different. A lot of marriages are arranged and oftentimes at a very young age, and a woman made this statement, a Christian woman, she made this statement, I don't know why these girls today are objecting so much. You know you're going to marry someone, so just do it. Mm -hmm. Just take the husband that your parents assign you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And don't make such a fuss about it. You have to marry someone. And and oftentimes there's um, physical abuse that could happen. Definitely it can be, you find your fulfillment and really, and, a fellowship in other places. It's not your husband necessarily who's your companion. That's not the case all the time. I know some wonderful, loving relationships in South Sudan for sure. But there, are, it, it's not always mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. that. And so I really felt led this one time to share what had happened to me. And uh, the women were amazed that it could happen in the United States, that you could ha- that a husband could be abusive to his wife in the U.S. That happens. Do they yeah. think the U.S. is like a fairy tale land? Yeah, I yeah. bet. I re- even when I was living in the village, my nephew passed away, and I had to come back to the U.S. They were shocked and amazed. You mean a young person in the U.S. Mm. actually could pass away, and that those things happen? Yeah, it does seem like Aww. a fairy tale land because we have so much we in their do. eyes. We do have a lot, and yet some of the things that they have we're missing. We're missing absolutely. What are some of those things we're missing? You think yeah, just, just in general the 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 empathy. I'll tell you. I've been sick a few times in South Sudan. People really care about you when you're sick. Mm. They really want to take care of you, and um, 
That's a humbling Kind of a scary place to be sick, too, isn't it? It is a scary place to be sick. Really rely on God. Mm -hmm, For sure. And and other people. And yeah, so you always have someone in the hospital with you because they don't have like a nursing staff to come and bring you food or anything. You have to have Mm -hmm. someone to go get you food. And I've been not long-term in the hospital, but short-term in the hospital by myself. And Mm -hmm. then the people I don't even know who are around me, you know, will help me with the little things that I need that I can't do for myself because there's not not a nurse call button to push. It's just (laughs) another human being who has no interest or or investment in you at all. Do you take their natural remedies? Uh, (laughs) Some things I do, like papaya is good for worms. Papaya Uh seeds are good for worms. Some things I do because I do know. They have lots of those. Right, exactly. Yeah. And they have a lot of wisdom. Mm -hmm. Not all of it is true <laughs> but uh, but some of it is so you can weigh you know all of those things it's just a closer context where you're really dependent on people do the christians there have great faith some do and some are searching for it really searching for it because oftentimes that also can be a life or death situation life or death literally mm-hmm. In South Sudan, oftentimes when I hear people's testimonies, it's when God has intervened to save a life, to rescue a situation in enormous, miraculous ways. And it's not, a, it's not as much of the still small voice maybe we hear here. It's God jumps in and saves the day, you know, almost superhero-like. And people in the midst of war where somehow the bullets don't come and... Uh, people who are on the on their deathbed and their life is saved. And so oftentimes that's where people come to faith and then there's a growth aspect. Uh, there's there is a dangerous side of that too though because then you start seeing God as the one to always rescue and if God chooses not to rescue the way you think he should. Mhm then it can cause a crisis of faith for people or people to try to figure out how how can I make God do what I need him to do? <laughs> I need him to do this. And it might be a real need. Sure. You know, I need him to save my child. Mm. Those are hard things we all have to wrestle with because God doesn't always answer prayer the way that we think that he should. How would you answer the suffering question when you've seen it? If you've lived in South Sudan, I know you've seen things that the average American probably hasn't seen. Right. Yeah. Well, I go back to my own life and some of the things Mm -hmm. that I've experienced that have been hard and know that God has been faithful. God has redeemed. God has Mm -hmm. restored. And if he did that for me, then he can do that for you. That's right. And if he has saved my life, then he can save yours. And if he doesn't, there may be another thing at work there that I don't know about. And that's really hard. But it goes back again, like even the decision to become a missionary where you let other people have authority. We don't really like authority, to be honest, you know, very much. And so when we allow God to really have authority in our life, we can turn the the result of these situations over to him and trust him even when it doesn't look the way we think that it should. This is Pastor Doyle Jackson for the Church Next Door. 
Reading the Bible is important. It's something that every Christian should do. It will transform your life. It'll help you grow spiritually. It is good for you. Join me for a year in the Bible. It's less than five minutes every day. We'll give you insights and we'll encourage you. So read the Bible with me and join me daily. That's a year in the Bible available now wherever you get your podcasts. Miss part of the show today and want to hear more? Well, you are invited to download and subscribe to Your Next Step on all major podcasting platforms. Now is a great time for us just to stop and pray. You know, we've been thinking about God and His Word, but it's it's no good if we don't apply it. So let's take a moment and let's pray. Let's invite God into the situation. You know, when we pray, it's powerful. So let's pray that our society would reflect God's ways today. Lord, we come before you today on behalf of our, our society, on behalf of our culture. When we listen to the news or we just see the news feed on our phone or we listen to the just the, the brief news beats or, or check our social media feed, we don't always feel peace. Many times we're concerned. We're worried about our culture and the direction that it's headed. The scripture says that you looked for someone who would be willing to stand in the gap, and that's why we're here right now. God, we come before you in Jesus' name, and we're asking you on behalf of our our cities and our nation and our world that you would begin to move and that, God, that we would begin to see a turn toward you. We're praying for the church first, God. We know that if the church is unhealthy, that our culture will be unhealthy, that, that we are like the thermostat. Not only do we gauge the temperature, but we have the ability to change the culture. You said that when Israel was was far from you, when Israel was seeking other gods, when Israel was seeking her own way, that it brought damage to the nation and to all the people. So right now we pray for repentance in the church, Lord, the ways that we have wanted to please the world and be like the world and, and celebrate the gods of this world to be entertained by this world. We repent. God, forgive us. We repent. We're praying that that you will change our culture and our society, that, that we will celebrate the good news of Jesus Christ, God, that in our land we would celebrate that God created us, that we are built in your image, designed for you, and may the church be the salt and light that our society needs. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for praying with me. You know, as a pastor, as, as your pastor, I want you to know one of the most powerful things you can do and I can do is pray together. And I'd like for you to begin to join me in prayer every day. And so we've created a free prayer guide, but you have to go to our website, yournextstepnow.com. Give us your email address and you can download the ebook. It's for you, but it's also to begin to grow in prayer. It's the best thing that'll ever happen to you. Go to yournextstepnow.com and give us your email address and get your prayer guide today. This has been Your Next Step, a ministry of the church next door in Columbus, Ohio. We hope this has been an encouragement to you as you seek to have a deeper faith in Christ. If you'd like to hear today's show again or share it with a friend, look for Your Next Step on all major podcasting platforms. We'd love to see you soon at the church next door. 
easily find our service times and our app. I'm Pastor Doyle Jackson. Join us again next time for your next step.